This is the Idea Time Show, Idea Time Show with Dr. Joe North, helping facilitators expand their creativity, confidence, and impact through the power of innovation in action. Gain confidence as a facilitator, confidence with the technology, and confidence with your content and event design. Tune in every week for practical tips, strategies and interviews that will accelerate your personal and business success. And now, here's your host, Dr. Joe North. Hello there, how are you doing? I hope all's going well with you. I've had a really busy and fab week so far. I've been working with entrepreneurs and helping them to innovate their business models, innovate products and services all week. So it's been really, really good, all the stuff that I love doing. And I hope you've had a great innovative and creative week as well. I'm really pleased you've joined me for this episode of the Idea Time Show because I'm focusing on what is a value proposition. And I'll be explaining why everybody needs a value proposition for their business, for their business idea, for their product or service, whether you are an entrepreneur, an innovator, maybe you run design thinking or innovation sprint workshops and you're innovating and you're thinking about value propositions all the time. I really hope this session will help you. And I've been running a lot of value proposition design sessions, particularly over the last 12 to 18 months for longer. But I think with all the changes that we've seen around the world, this has become more important than ever as the world is changing and things are shifting around us. It's caused many of us to really reassess what is our value proposition, how relevant is it, and so on. I've been working with literally hundreds of people on this theme over the last 12 months or so. And I just wanted to give you a taster of that. Sometimes my sessions are lasting half a day, a day, up to three days where we get really into the detail. But don't worry, I'm just going to spend about 20 minutes and take you through the key things you need to know to get started with your value proposition. So first thing is, I'd like to ask you, what's the best money you've ever spent and why? And why would I start with that? And why am I asking you that question? Well, I'll explain in a moment, but the best money I've ever spent was on my French bulldog, who I absolutely adore. And sometimes he is a bit of a, you know, dogs, you've got to put some effort in and they can be quite demanding. And I seriously, you know, really like that actually. But he's just such wonderful company. He's great fun. He lives in the moment and he he gives me a lot of happiness. And when I've asked that question of hundreds of delegates, what's the best money you've ever spent and why? These are entrepreneurs in all sorts of sectors, in all four corners of the world. They've usually said something like, it's my hiking boots because they give me freedom and a sense of well-being when I'm out in the countryside. It's the fact I've bought my house because it makes me feel really safe and secure and really grounded all sorts of different things that people have bought. And the interesting thing is that they very rarely say the best thing they ever bought was something that just did a function, that just did what it says on the tin. They have really expressed how that thing made them feel, how that purchase made them feel. And 
that's what we're really looking at in terms of a value proposition. It's about what it is that you are creating, what it is you're innovating, what it is you are selling or hoping to sell. And what is the difference that's going to make to your target customer in such a way that it's more than it says on the tin. It actually has some element of impact. Now, it doesn't have to be the best thing that they've ever bought but that sense of of that was money well spent uh, a feel good I made the right decision there when I bought it that's what we're trying to get at least as a minimum from customers because then customers will come back they'll recommend you and it means that your product or service isn't just a commodity it actually has more value and is more distinctive than that so think about that as we go through and think about how can you get some of that essence into the work that you're doing 72% of innovations fail in the marketplace. And the reason that they fail is because customers don't care enough about them to buy, because innovations aren't solving the customer's problem in the way that the customer wants it to be solved. Sometimes in innovation, a product or a service can be fantastic, but they're not explained clearly enough. So the customer isn't really getting what the benefits are. They're not able to understand that and they're not standing out from the competition. So that is why so many innovations fail. And if you think about an example of the Sinclair C5, for instance, it's a great innovation. It was technologically ahead of its time. It was from the 80s. It's one of the first electric vehicles, if you like, but it didn't solve the customer's problem in the way they wanted it to be solved. It was impractical. It didn't look good. It didn't serve what customers wanted right then. It's probably ahead of its time in many ways, but it had some flaws. So an innovation can be a great idea, but it's also got to be communicable and it's got to be of value to the customer. So the good news is that innovations can succeed and do succeed in the marketplace for a number of reasons. Firstly, because they put right all the things I've just said, but also the great sellers of of all time, you know, the great classics and day-to-day products too, make an emotional connection with the customer, not just a functional one. And that's why I'm taking you back to that question I asked you to think about, which is what is the best thing you've ever bought? What's the best money you've ever spent? And the reason is not just because the thing did what it did, it worked, it was okay, it looked good. It's because of how it actually made you feel. Making a good emotional connection as well as a functional one with the customer about solving the problem in the right way, explaining what it is clearly and concisely and having stand out from the competition, that is when an innovation, a product or a service has a clear value proposition. Now, one of the words that's really important in the term value proposition is, of course, the value element of that. And you've heard me explain about value before in my earlier podcasts and so on. And I make no apology for restating what value means here, because what we've got to do when we are creating something new or when we're about to improve something that already exists It's about making sure there is enough value in there that the customers will be motivated to buy into. So as a reminder, value is the regard that something is held to deserve. So it's merit, it's worthfulness, it's utility, it's advantage. It's also something which matches how we feel about ourselves in terms of what we stand for, our ethos, our ethics, 
our values. So the word value literally translates directly into that. And it's a number, it's a quantity, it's an amount. It's how much are we prepared to pay? How much time are we prepared to invest in researching that and using that? So we're looking at value again on all of those levels. They're all wrapped up in the term value proposition. And what a value proposition is then when you look at that phrase, a phrase that we use a lot in management, in business, in innovation. But what is it? Well, it's really just a bundle of products and services that creates value for a customer segment, or it could be a single product or service that creates value for a customer segment. It really is as simple as that. And where it all starts is with understanding your target customers and doing this through thinking about identifying very clearly the different customer segments for your product, service, business, innovation and so on. So customer segments are the groups of people or organisations you're aiming to reach and that you're aiming to create the value for. And you might have a single product or service or a single idea but it might appeal to different customer segments for different reasons in different ways. And what you'll need is a different value proposition expression, a different way of communicating that value proposition to each of your target customer segments um, because they'll receive it differently. They're interested in different things. If you have a number of products or services, then each one of those will need to have its own value proposition. So making sure that your value proposition is very specific is the key to really getting cut through with it. Because, well, why do you need a value proposition? You need a value proposition because everything else you do is designed around the value that you give to your customer. And I'll explore that more with you in a second or two. So who might your customer segments be? Well, you can target and group customers in different ways. Remember that every customer, of course, is an individual and it's important we give everybody as high level of personal service as we possibly can, given what it is we're offering and that we treat everybody as an individual. But that said, it also makes sense to think about how you might organise the customers that you're working with in, in terms of how they buy or why they buy and so on. So some really common consumer examples of this are psychographic segmentation and that's where you are grouping your customers based on their lifestyle choices values and attitudes so for instance if someone is really into sustainable living and into eco choices that is a psychographic way that you could segment you know people who have that philosophy geographic is really simple that's just based on where people are it could be urban and country sea mountain it could be a part of the world a country um, a particular city a particular high street whatever it is so that's fairly straightforward you could segment your customers by the benefits that they get from using your product or service so different people use products and services in different ways so I might use my iPhone 
differently from how somebody younger might use theirs. You know, I'm not particularly doing loads on TikTok, for instance, but somebody younger might not be doing loads on Facebook and and vice versa. So it's how we use it, what we use it for, you might segment in those ways. And then finally, we've got demographic segmentation. And that's the, the standard, you know, how old are they? What lifestyle are they at? How much money do they earn? How many cars have they got? And, and all of that sort of, if they've got a car, um, all of those sorts of things. So what you can do is you can blend these. So you can take a psychographic element, a geographic, a benefit and a demographic and put them together to create quite a specific segment. The more niche you are, the more focused you are on each segment and the more specific, the more successful your value proposition will be and therefore the more successful your innovation product and service will be. So for instance, if you were to target, let's say 51 year old women who are interested in eco and sustainable living based in North Yorkshire, who use your product in a very interactive way, then you might get me in that segment. I would tick all of those boxes. And it's very similar. So that's consumer segmentation. But what if you're business to business? Well, it's the same sort of principle. The only differences here are that instead of demographic, we use the word firmographic, which is how old are the businesses that you're targeting? How big are they? What sort of structure do they have? Is it Do you target social enterprise community interest companies? Are you into big PLCs? What are you into? What activities do they do? What industry sector? Behaviours replaces the psychographics in terms of what are their goals, approaches and values. Geography, pretty much the same. And needs is about what the customer is looking for. So if you think about, for instance, Microsoft software products, they sell those in specific packages to education, to academic institutions and schools. They sell into big business, they sell into small business, and they sell into individual consumers. And what they do is they have the core offering, but they shape it around the edges to meet the needs of each of those different segments, and they price slightly differently as well. So you can buy into the package that best meets your needs from Microsoft perspective. So just as an example. And of course, regardless of the segment, as I said earlier, it's all P2P. And what I mean by P2P is it's person to person, it's individual. And with technology, with customer relationship management systems and so on, we now have the technology where we can do a really good job of personalising how we communicate with customers. And also customers can personalise their experience too. So if you think about, for instance, the landing page of individuals on Amazon, People can customise that Amazon page and in fact Amazon shows them things that are based on their individual choices. So although there are so many people using Amazon across so many countries, the user experience is still very, very personal. So just bear that in mind as well. It's important, you might think, oh, I've got loads and loads of of customer segments that would really benefit from this product or service. Well, what we need to do is prioritise because usually the vast majority of sales come and profitability in a company come from a small number of products and a small number of customers. So think through which are the high priority ones and really with any innovation, with any new product or service development, go for those segments first and really target those well. And then once you've got that underway, you can keep that going and keep evolving and keep shaping. We're always innovating. Remember, disrupt or be disrupted. Then you can start to roll out things for other segments as well. So if you're wondering where to start, start where you have the greatest potential. 
don't try and do all things for all people unless you've got massive amounts of resources, time and money. You know, most of us have limited amounts. So make sure that you uh, prioritise and don't try and do it all at once. So what the value proposition is all about, it's about demonstrating to your customer and creating something for your target customer that you're helping them do what they need to do. We're all in business to solve customers' problems. And this is about making sure you're solving a problem the customer actually has. It's about fulfilling a need they have. It's about taking away pain and anything that gets in the way, you know, any irritation. And it's about creating some feel-good factor as well. So in value proposition terms, we refer to this as providing solutions to customers' jobs to be done. And when a customer's trying to get something done, it could be buying a gift, it could be treating themselves, it could be getting a leak sorted in a plumbing issue, it could be anything. Those jobs have three levels. Each job has a functional element, it has a social element, and it has an emotional element. And it's those things that the customer is willing to pay for. And it's really important that when you are developing your value proposition and you're keeping it refreshed, that you are developing things that your customer is willing to pay for. You could come up with all the fancy ideas and bells and whistles and everything that you like, but if they don't mean anything, if they're not important to your customer, then they're not going to pay for them and your innovation isn't going to take off. So a little bit more about these three elements. So the functional need. This is really important that whatever we are innovating needs to fulfill the job that it's designed to do. So there's no amount of design or fanciness will overcome a poor performing product. At some point, customers will get frustrated with a a product or a service that doesn't do what it's supposed to do. So that's really important to get that right. To give you a service example, um, if I'm going to eat out in a restaurant, then I expect, if I order something, I expect to get what I've ordered in the way that I've ordered it in a hygienic fit state to eat. Yep, that's the functional element of it. There's also a social level to it. So if I'm going out and taking people out for a special occasion, let's say I want it to feel nice. I want it to be really appropriate and for people to feel comfortable and relaxed. And this is going to be a lovely evening. So there is a social need there as well that I have. So the restaurant needs to fulfill that need. And then there's an emotional need, which is I want a great experience. I want not just for me, but for the people I'm with. But I really want to enjoy the experience and the ambiance and the service and just feel really well looked after and relaxed and having a great time. So that's an example from a service experience and how there's a functional, a social and an emotional need. And it's exactly the same with product too. So. Let's say an example that actually um, somebody gave me in a session the other day when we were working through this was a phone case. The functional thing, it had to protect the phone, it had to work okay, you know, and and fit the phone nicely. And if the phone was dropped, needed to do all the protective things and you needed to be able to have a hole to see, you know, so the camera could still take photos and that sort of stuff. From a social perspective, they wanted to look good 
and then there's the emotional thing which is actually I want it to feel nice I want to to be able to you know feel really you know proud of it and feel comfortable with it because it's going to be with me every single day and it'll come everywhere I go so that's what they said that, that it was something they really liked and enjoyed using because of how it felt and how it was designed so you can see those functional social and emotional elements coming through and if you've got any questions about any of this please send me a comment because I'd love to hear from you and I'm super happy to answer any questions. Finally what's a really good thing to do is for your innovation and you can do this if you're a, an innovation facilitator if you run design thinking or innovation sprints maybe you're an entrepreneur or business owner think about what are you really selling you know what's the hole in your customers experience or the jobs they're trying to do that you're trying to fill think about how well you're fulfilling your customers functional needs how well you're fulfilling their social and emotional needs and really challenge are there any gaps where are the gaps how can you fill those gaps because it's by filling those gaps that you will be able to really build resilience into your innovation really build resilience into your product or service and it means you'll also outsmart the competition as well as you go forward because you'll have put that level of detailed thinking and understanding from the customer point of view into this and of course the really important thing to do as well is to ask your customers for their views get input from customers no entrepreneurial idea should ever be launched without customer feedback so engage customers early test things quickly do it low risk fail really quickly so that you can learn from that and then go again and that's a really solid way of building your value proposition forward and remember as well that you've got to be able to communicate why your value proposition is so special and be able to say that in a single sentence so it's about saying what your product service idea helps a certain group of people to do and how it helps them get the results that they're after and if you do that then you're, you're really onto a very solid start with your value proposition and you can use it in your marketing, you can use it in different ways in your social media and other content like that, you can use it in your sales activity and to communicate with your team as well about what this is all about. I've really enjoyed doing the show with you. I hope you found it really helpful. Do please drop me a note in the comments and let me know what you think and ask me any questions. And please do hit like, please do subscribe. And also don't forget I've got a bucket full of different free resources for you at bigbangpartnership.co.uk slash resources so head over there fill your boots uh, enjoy the resources and i'm here same time same place every thursday 6 p.m uk time i'll see you then bye for now thank you for tuning in to the idea time show brought to you by dr joe north don't forget to subscribe to our channel and access more completely free resources at bigbangpartnership.co.uk forward slash resources. We'll see you next time.